Um, pray with me real quick and let's jump in. Father, thank you. We love you. You're here and we trust you. So we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I kept hearing this, this, this song in my head um, this morning as I was just kind of thinking about these thoughts and it's kind of a familiar song, um, but the words of it go, um, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. And I kind of feel that resonating this morning. I'm not going to sing it, but I just wanted to submit those words to you. <laughs> you guys. I'm not going to do it in Creole. <laughs> but, but okay, okay. So, whew, I felt that one. As we, as we seek to build in this season as a community, as a family, I think it's important that we increase our awareness to identify when God is building and when he isn't. It's important because there's a difference between experiencing the blessing of building with the Lord versus building something and then asking him to bless it. Two different things. So then the question is, how do we know when God is building something? And how can we participate in that activity? So to do that, I'm just going to lay back in Psalm 127. And before we kind of read the psalm, I just want to share that this, this is a part of a group of psalms that, that people would recite and sing several times a year as they would hit the pause button on their normal day-to-day -day life so that they can remember and orient their thoughts towards God. Just like Justin said earlier, there's something about our journey with God where it is necessary 
for us to take moments to remember and to recenter and reorient our lives with God. Because listen, with all of our expertise, education, skills, and talents, at the end of the day, we are people of faith. So our journey with God would be incomplete without moments of reflection and reorientation. So Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, I love the psalm. Unless the Lord build the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards or the watchmen stand watch in vain. As we were thinking about this series, this psalm just, I couldn't get away from it. I could not get away from the reality that in spite of everything we do, cross our T's, dot our I's, have meetings, strategize, unless the Lord sets our plans on fire, it is in vain. It is empty. It is fruitless. Unless the Lord builds, the builders labor in vain. Now, what it also says is that we are not to be passive. We are not to just throw up our hands and say, let God do it all. That's not what the psalm is suggesting. It's interesting that this, this verse, it brings into our vision two main things that humans do. We, we love to build and we love to secure things. That's just what we do. It doesn't matter your cultural background, your ethnic makeup. Throughout the history of, of mankind, we build and we love security. But from the very beginning, the psalm is helping us Remember, this is a psalm that people would recite and they would say over and over again to remember, to be put into proper perspective that what I'm doing every day, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the marketplace, unless the Lord is working with me, it is, it is empty, it is vain. And to give definition here when it comes to vain or empty, it is something that has a different effect than what we intend. So we gain nothing and walk away with nothing. Because we're human, because we're made in the image of God, we have the capacity and the ability to build. But also because we're human, we are still susceptible to the temptation to try to do it without God. So this is not about the builders not building, the watchers to not watching, but it's about us acknowledging God before the process, during the process, and then trusting him with the outcome. So it's not being passive, it's about being a partner. 
Do you believe that God invites us to partner with him? It's an invitation to join him in what he's doing. So the question is, how do we know if we're trusting God with the outcome? How can we determine that? What's, what's something down to earth that we can grab a hold of and measure, for lack of a better word? Look at verse 2. It says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, we, we ask God for many things. But I believe that one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is a good night's sleep. Just a good night's sleep. Not having to worry or be anxious all night. That is not a virtue. That is not evidence of the Holy Spirit. Being able to trust your day's work to God and go to sleep. Trusting him with the outcome. That's a blessing from God. Anxious work is activity without divine reflection and divine rest. I'm just going to put that out there for you. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 25, Matthew 6, verse 25, starting there. He says, therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. By the way, Solomon was the one who wrote Psalm 127. So Jesus is pulling on that psalm to say, don't be given to anxiety or, or, or constant worry. That's not what life is like with God. Life with God sometimes is just getting a good night's sleep. And I love to sleep, by the way. <laughs> I love to sleep. It's a gift from God. Speaking of Solomon, this is how he would advise us in this context. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very familiar scripture. Many of us know it. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, here's what's important here. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart is not necessarily about overworking our heart to trust. It's about surrendering our heart to God. It's a matter of perspective. It's not about us somehow mustering up strength to squeeze out an ounce of trust. 
It's about giving all of our heart to God and trusting him with it. It's about being vulnerable with God. It's not as if he doesn't know what's happening under the hood anyway. It's not as if he doesn't know our thoughts, our concerns, the things that we're praying about, contending for. So why not just give it all to him anyway? So the point here is vulnerability is is more than just what you express. It's what you allow someone to possess. That's being vulnerable. When you can give something that is so valuable to you to someone else, that's vulnerability. And in this context, we are being encouraged to give it to God. That thing that's keeping you up at night, that you're worrying about, why not give it to God? Why not try that option? How is the anxiety working for you? Now, that, I'm not trying to be trite. For those that may struggle with that, please hear me. But I believe there is a space where we can surrender all to Jesus. Because here's the, here's the point here. If what we're building is not worth giving to God, it's not worth building in the first place. Honestly. If we have to hold on to it, then it's probably not the best thing for us. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build. I do not want to spend time and energy on something that will profit nothing. Why? Back to Psalm 127, verse 3, continuing. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. An offspring, a reward from him. Now, this just seems out of place. When you read this psalm, it's just like, where is he going with this? He's talking about acknowledging God in the process of our activity and in our security, about trusting him with the outcome. And then he's talking about children. It it seems disjointed in a sense. But actually, it's not. Because what God builds is always oriented towards family. It's always been that way. He says to Abraham at one point, he says, I want you to look up at the sky. Count all the stars. He said, your family is going to be that big. Look at the sand on the seashore. That's how many family members you're going to have. Because he's building towards family. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, David, who was one of the most famous kings in, in all of Israel, he got to a point where God had given him peace 
from all his enemies. And David, in a moment of reflection, is looking around his campus. And he says, wow, I am living large. But that which represents the presence of God is in a tent. He said, it does, it, this, like, this doesn't add up. And he says, I want to build something equally as large for God. So God responds to David, and he says to him, I don't want you to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. (laughs) Isn't that just like God? I'm going to build you a house. But what God was talking about was not a physical structure. He was talking about a family. Unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. He told David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to give you a son. And he will be a king. His kingdom will last forever. That's the kind of house that God builds, that which is oriented towards family. In other words, when God builds something, it always includes other people. It's never a solo project. I heard someone say before, there are no self-made men in the kingdom. The only self-made person is God. Everyone else benefits from what he has accomplished. All right. Verse 4, it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, and they, not the man, they, the arrows, the family, the unit, the community, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And then he ends the psalm. It's it's like, what is Solomon talking about? He starts out with, unless the Lord builds, and then he says that they won't be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. There is something about being invited into God's family that removes shame for those that build with him. There's something about being invited into God's building project that takes the edge off to the point where anxiety becomes a non-issue and shame becomes a non-issue. I want to be involved in that kind of building project where I don't have to worry about anything. So why does God build towards family? Because longevity is always in his mind. It's always about the next generation and the next generation. It's about building something that can sustain long term. By the way, one of our values as leaders here is that whatever we try to do, it has to be sustainable because that's the ethic of how God builds. 
It has to be something that can go long-term. It can't be a flash in the pan, and then we say, let's check that off. We did great, didn't we? Longevity is always in God's mind because he's all about generational blessing. Hmm. And we experience generational blessing by being united with Jesus. In fact, the scripture says that we are joint heirs with him. We inherit what Jesus inherits. We inherit what Jesus inherits. Let that sit for a second. We inherit what Jesus inherits. That's what's reserved for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. If we are children of God through faith, then we also inherit what is rightfully ours as those in his family. And that's not shame. It's not worry. And it's not anxious work. Let us never confuse the divine enabling power to do God's will with our activity to do our will. It's never confuse the two. It's easy to, by the way. But you, I think the evidence of operating under grace is when it's coming from rest. Not working in order to rest, but working from rest. It's a different kind of dynamic, but that's what life is like in the family of God. It seems weird. It doesn't seem natural, but that's what it is to live life with God, to partner with him, to work from rest, to trust him with the outcome, and to have a good night's sleep at the end of the day. For the last few weeks, what's been kind of clear to us, every Sunday we've, it seems as though God is highlighting this concept of anxiety and worry. It seems to be a constant refrain. Not sure why, but I also want to go there for these next few moments too. I'd like to suggest to you that you don't have to live under the weight of being anxious or worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. How are you going to provide for your family? How is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? You don't have to spend another hour in that. I heard someone say before that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. (laughs) Why worry when God said, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. 
And he says, look at the birds. They don't clock in and out. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't have to roll up their sleeves. How, and this is the question, how much more value do you have? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Because sometimes the concern is, am I valuable enough? Do I have a sense of value? Look at what they said about me. Look at how they treated me. Am I really valuable? As much as we sing, God, do it again, some, for some of us, the question is not, God, would you do it again? It's, God, would you do it for me? You've done it for so-and-so. I've seen so-and-so experience breakthrough. What about me? And I believe that God is speaking to some of you this morning through these words that he's got you. He's with you. He is going to provide. He is providing. The way the kingdom works, the way Jesus says, is a man plants, his, a, man plants a seed. And without him knowing it, it grows. All he does is plant the seed. Paul puts it this way. He says, one plants and one waters, but God gives the increase. In other words, the planter shouldn't worry about watering. The waterer shouldn't worry about planting. They should work together and trust God with the outcome. And that's what we are called to do as we build in this season. We're not to be passive. It's not just let go and let God kind of value. It's about knowing our value, knowing who we are. It's about being good stewards with the skills and the talents and the gifts that God's giving us. But it's also about trusting him with the outcome. Because at the end of the day, Jesus says, I will build my church. So all the risk is on him. But we get the reward. It's okay to clap. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like clapping nervous like. You mean I don't have to strive or work anymore? No. That's why it's called good news. Because someone else did the work. You just have to, to trust and put your faith that that person actually did the work and that you can be changed as a result. And that person is Jesus. He took upon himself that which separated us from God so that we can be reunited with God, be adopted into his family, and inherit what's rightfully ours as his children. That's good news.
I'm not suggesting that a work ethic is bad. Not at all. I'm suggesting that we trust God with everything. That includes our work ethic. That includes our careers. That includes our education. That includes our families. That includes our children. Trusting God with it all. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Some of us have said, I'm not giving anybody my heart. Because the last time I did that, they broke it. God won't break your heart. In fact, his promise is that he wants to give you a new one. That's his promise. Give God our hearts and he gives us a new one. A one one that comes pre-programmed to work with him and go to sleep at night. A heart that beats to follow him and trust him with the outcome. Would you stand with me? For some of you in this room, what you really need practically is just a good night's sleep. For real. Some of you just need that. You want to be able to go to bed at night and just go to sleep. Snoring ruling everything. I think I do both, but that's that's what my wife says. (laughs) But some of you need a good night's sleep. So we want to pray for that. We want to pray for a good night's sleep in Jesus' name. We also want to pray that worry will be replaced with faith. Good night sleep, faith in place of worry. That's what we're going to pray for. And I believe you're going to get it. I'm not confident in my words. I'm confident in the power of God. So if, if you want a good night's sleep or if you want faith, more faith, greater faith in place of worry, would you just lift up your hands as a sign of surrender and say, yeah, I want that. I want that. to you because you said we could. We're lifting our hands because you said that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. So we're just going to take a risk this morning and we're going to see if you're a man of your word. We are really going to trust in what you said. So 
would you give us a good night's sleep tonight? We don't want to have to wait for it. In fact, Lord, would you give us a good Sunday nap? (laughs) I receive that in Jesus' name. Trust me, I'm going to have my Sunday nap one way or the other. (laughs) But God, would you give us a good night's rest? And would you take away the worry, take away the anxiety, and give us greater faith and trust? Would you somehow, in in the way you mysteriously do things, when we awake from this rest, would you help us to feel the faith? Would you help us to feel the, the trust, the increase of trust? Help us to feel it. Something tangible that we can really grab a hold of and say, wow, God, you really did it. You really did it. That's what we're asking for. So we are going to put this into practice and trust you with the outcome of this prayer. Because you said that when we pray in Jesus' name, not only do you hear us, but you give us what we ask for. So we're going to try it. we give it to you. We give you our concerns, our worry, our anxiety, the things that keep us up at night. We, by faith, with our hands lifted up, we give it to you now in Jesus' name. And we receive from you rest and trust and faith and joy. May this be a week where the grass looks greener than it's ever been. The sky looks bluer than it's ever been. The sun seems to shine brighter. May this be that kind of week. So that we can give it away to someone else. So we trust you with it all today. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, clap your hands and tell them, yeah, I receive it. Yeah, I receive it. Nothing for those of you that may want more intentional prayer, we're going to have a team at the front here standing to pray with you and for you. You are officially dismissed. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy that Sunday nap and enjoy that good night's rest. In Jesus' name, God bless you all.